Um, listen, we've been, I'll reference the, the conference in a moment because uh, that was amazing, but we have been on Sundays in a series called Pursuits. Um, and as you guys know who have been here of late, I have been basing that on the wonderful book by A.W. Tozer called Pursuing God. And uh, I'm speaking to many of you. I know you've gone and purchased that book, or indeed you can download it for free. It's a PDF. It was written in 1946, all right? And uh, I know some of you have bought some other books of A.W. Tozer, like The Knowledge of God, which is another book I can recommend. And I've been, look, we, we're going through the chapters. <clears throat> and uh, if you've missed any of those talks, you can catch up on our uh, YouTube channel. By the way, if you've got your phone here, you can go to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit that bell notification to get blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I need more practice. But yeah, sign up. If you're online as well, you are clearly, you may be on YouTube, uh, click on that subscribe button now. But you can catch up there or on our app, on our app. Uh, you can download that as well. And of course, we had a break a couple of weeks ago. We had the Every Generation service, which was amazing. And then last week, we had uh, the wonderful Steve Nicholson who was uh, leading the conference, and he spoke on the Holy Spirit in you, which was I watched from home, um, and it really was a fantastic talk. I can recommend that to you as well. Now, rather than go to chapter three of um, the Pursuing God book, I'm going to take a slight deviation and add in my own chapter for reasons that will become clear later. Um, and the reason for that is a bit really coming out of some personal experience over the past couple of weeks. You know, I referenced that I've been unwell, which I have been. Um, <clears throat> I have to say I was really disappointed um, that after so many hard uh, weeks and months of planning for this conference, when I was really excited to be there, I come down sick. Uh, timing sucks. Um, and I was really looking forward to it. And then I literally, I mean, a couple of days before I started feeling unwell, you know, those aches and pains, you go, well, maybe I should go to bed. I thought, maybe I'll be fine. And then, yeah, that was, I was bedridden. I was really upset, a bit gutted, quite frankly. And I thought, oh, well, my birthday's next Wednesday, which was just last Wednesday, I was, it was my birthday. I thought, well, maybe, maybe God is being gracious and getting it out of the way so that I can have a birthday. Because we had planned to have, you know, well, it was my birthday, you know, and uh, I'm closer now to 50 than I was uh, last year. Um, so we had some things planned. But um, no, come, come my birthday... I woke up, Steph was ill in bed, and Lucy was home ill, Ellie was, and so I played nurse on my birthday, not feeling very well myself, being on antibiotics. And there was, there was an element, I've got to be honest, I was like, oh, this is rubbish. You know, there's me, darling, do you need anything? Ellie, are you okay, darling? I'm like, this is my flipping birthday, for goodness sake. <laughs> and Steph's like, I'm really sorry, darling, I couldn't get out to get your presents because I was up. I'm like, oh, whatever. <clears throat> And then we had other things going. And uh, I'll be honest with you, um, as the saying goes, you know, life can sometimes serve up lemons, can't it? Uh, I'm feeling very sorry for myself. And it got me thinking about the talk this, this week and in the subject of pursuing God and the question of how do we deal with lemons? That pause was a good pause, isn't it? How do you, what do you do when life serves you lemons? Well, of course, there's two ways. The first way is a way that my great uncle John dealt with lemons. So um, I have some family in North America. And about late 90s, I did my A-levels and I went traveling around the US. And I went to visit my great uncle John uh, in California. And he lived in a place called Toluca Lake, which is right next to um, the Warner Brothers lot. They were filming Friends at the time and next to Universal City. 
And uh, as a, I don't know how old I was, 18, 19, it was just an amazing trip. And I traveled around the US for a few months. Anyway, my uncle was a bachelor and he lived a very, he must be in his 80s now, but he lived an extraordinary life. He was an entrepreneur, he was a pilot, he survived a head-on uh, plane crash, was in, in hospital for about a year and recovered from that. And he had, um, he had uh, founded a watch company that in the 80s was bigger than Swatch. And he would regale me of all these amazing stories. And as a, as a budding entrepreneur as I was back then, I would just listen to him thinking, wow, this is what an amazing life. And the time that he would date so-and-so or go to so-and-so parties or have a penthouse in Chicago. And, you know, it was like just the craziest thing. Anyway, he told me this story once. This, this does have a point, by the way. We'll get there eventually. Um, um, he told me this story once about when he bought this Cadillac. And uh, in fact, at the time, he had a Cadillac as well, this big DeVille black thing. But he said, Mark, in the 70s, I bought this Cadillac. And uh, it was an amazing car, but it had real problems. And he said, I called Cadillac up and I said, listen, this, there's problems with this car. And they wouldn't deal with me, deal with it. So I decided to drive around the, with the Cadillac with a lemon in the back window with a big sign on the car saying, this car is a lemon. Now, between my hazy recollection and his creative storytelling, I'm not sure how much truth got through on this story, but as they say, don't let facts get in the way of a good story, right? And it will serve its illustration purpose in a moment. He said, and then what I did is I rang them and I said to Cadillac, listen, I'm I've been driving around your car with a lemon in the back saying this car is a lemon. I've called the press because next week I'm going to blow the car up so that everyone knows that Cadillacs make lemons. Now, I can't remember what happened at the end of that story. I rather hope that what he said was, and so I went and blew the Cadillac up. But I can't tell you that for sure. All I can tell you, and the point of this story, other than to try and uh, inject some humor into this talk, uh, is that uh, you can blow up lemons if you wish. That is one approach. You can complain and moan and try and blame it up. Or the second way is, as the saying goes, you can make lemonade. Oh, well done. So there's me, uh, you know, lying in my bed thinking, well, I can either blow up. And the, genuinely, the Lord brought the story of the Cadillac to mind because I was complaining a lot. And, the, and I felt like, well, I can either blow this up or I can try and make lemonade from this. And so this talk is my version of lemonade from my bad experiences. I'm trying to make my experiences redemptive in some way. But actually, there's something interesting and important in this, which is what do we do when life gives you lemons? Or more specifically, how do we pursue God when life sucks? And that's the name of this talk. Pursuing God when life sucks. Or another version could be pursuing God when life gives you lemons. And I think, all joking aside, there is a lot of importance in this title and a lot of truth because it contains two, two truths. The first one is this, that we are called to pursue God. You know, whether life gives you juicy oranges that the man from Del Monte says are perfect or lemons that are bitter and sour we are called to pursue God. You see, pursuing God isn't dependent on the lemons or the oranges, if you get my drift. It's not dependent on how we feel in our circumstances. Pursuing God is something we should be doing in spite of our circumstances and in all situations. And I don't know about you, but when life is going well, somehow that feels much easier, doesn't it? 
Although when life is going great, it has its own dangers. We can kind of forget God somehow. But that leads me on to the second truth of this title, when life sucks. I think that we need to be honest with ourselves. Life does suck sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, you know, life does give us lemons. I know that for some of you this, this morning, you've experienced uh, loss this week. Someone in our own staff team has lost her father-in-law. Half the staff team are not here because they got COVID from the conference. Um, this has been a tough week for many. I've heard stories. You know, and we need to be real about it. As Christians, we can have this kind of, gl- this kind of feeling that everything's fine when it, you know, it's not. Jesus doesn't promise you a perfect life. In fact, he says you will have trials and tribulations. Not the great tribulation, by the way. That's something separate. But he says you will have troubles. And so life does suck sometimes. And so the question for us then is in that place, how do we pursue God? I mean, why don't we? Because I was lying in my bed thinking, well, you know, and and I'll be honest with you, if you follow me on Instagram, I took it as an opportunity to go through some old photos and just post them up. I was like, I know, Lord, I should be on my knees praying for everyone in the conference right now, but I just can't be bothered. (laughs) Listen, apologies. Um, If if you've got me on a pedestal, then this is the moment to put me down, okay? (laughs) I am as human as everyone else. You'd be pleased to know. But I'm being truthful and, and real with you guys. You know, there are these moments where you're like, Lord, I just don't want to pray right now. Now, in that place, why don't we sometimes want to pursue God? We blame him for things, don't we? It's your fault, God. We think, what's the point? I've prayed so many times and I've been here before. Well, we just get tired. And so the question that I want to address this morning with what has been a rather long introduction is how do we pursue God when life sucks? And I think for many Christians, we've grown up in churches which at best um, always look at the bright side and at worst ignores it and says, well, if you're going through difficult times, it's because your faith isn't big enough. And because of that, those two things, I don't think us Christians know how to deal with lemons in our lives in a healthy way. We don't know how to go to God when we've got lemons. But what we need to understand is God has given us a way in which we can pursue him when life sucks. And it is through lamenting. It is the place of lament. It is a biblical way in which we can pursue God when life sucks. And that is what I want us to unpack this morning. And you know, lamenting is more than just expressing our sorrow and our grief, healthy though that is. Lamenting is, is more than just blowing a gasket. And don't we all feel like doing that sometimes when it just feels like it's just too much? Lamenting is coming to and talking to God about our pain and our sorrow. A lament is, you see, God's invitation to us to come to him with our stuff with the purpose of allowing God to minister to us in that place and for us to have confidence in God for our lives. That is the objective of a biblical lament. And I, don't, I haven't heard that many sermons on lamenting, but I think we do ourselves a disservice if we don't understand the place of lament when we hit those lemons in our lives because a lament isn't about blowing up the Cadillac 
A lament is making lemonade and coming to God with it. And I would like us to read Psalm 13. And this is going to be our uh, text for this morning. And you know, the Psalms are replete with laments. And we're going to look at two things. First of all, um, what happens when we lament? What happens to us as we go through the process? And the second part of the talk is going to be around how do we lament? And we're going to look at four Uh, the model of lamenting that we're going to read together. So it's Psalm 13. It'll be on the screen. Uh, It'll also be uh, at home. If you're watching this, it'll be on your screen. And this is a psalmist, a psalm of David. And the the title in my my version, ESV, says, How Long, O Lord? Let me read it. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest the enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That is a lament. And there are over 40 laments in the Psalms. And of course, as you may know, there is a whole book called Lamentations in the Old Testament. And so Let's look at lamenting. What happens when we lament in this way? And as I said, we're going to end with looking at how you are to lament. The first thing when we lament is that we recognize our humanness and God's godness. I couldn't come up with any other word. We recognize our humanness and God's godness. When we experience life's troubles, we can oftentimes feel helpless, right? And I think there is a level of disorientation that comes in when life gives us lemons. As if someone has pulled out the metaphorical rug from under our feet. Because what that rug gave us was was this notion that uh, the wisdom that we have is something that we have cultivated ourselves and that we can hold on to. That the strength that we enjoy is something that is unique to us that we have somehow built up for ourselves. And you see, when trouble comes and we find ourselves, <coughs> excuse me, without all of that, the reality of the fact that we are created out of dust becomes very apparent. But it's in that place you see that the the godness, the bigness, the almightiness, the omniscience, the omnipresence of God becomes more clear to us. You see, the thing about troubles is that the way you make lemonade out of troubles is that you respond in humility to God. The way you make lemonade out of your troubles is by saying, you are the creator and I am the created. Would you forgive me, Lord, for thinking that I am God? There's nothing like troubles to put the truth of who we are and who God is into sharp focus. Number two, what happens when we lament is we surrender to him. You see, because of the fall, which essentially was pride to say, I want to be like God, Adam and Eve, that was the 
that decision. We said we will take the place of God and we will be like God. And that, that, that lie, that propensity to be like God, as I referenced earlier, is something that we see around us. And it's something that even though as Christians we become a new believer in Christ Jesus, we still have the flesh battling against us who does not want to surrender to God lest we have to relinquish control. But you see, it's in the place of lamenting that we come to a place of surrender and we say, you know what? I let go. I'll be honest with you. I think for me, not being here at the conference was a, well, it was a very humbling opportunity for me. I wouldn't say that I necessarily thought that the conference couldn't go ahead without me. But I did think that, isn't it great that the senior pastor can be at the conference? And you might say, well, that's fair enough, Mark, you know, and, and, I, and I wanted to be there not least to learn and to experience, uh, you know, Steve's wisdom and all that kind of stuff. But the conference was amazing, and God turned up even though I wasn't there. It's a healthy reminder. And sometimes when we make lemonade, we have to recognize that we need to surrender and let go of everything, the church. I had to... Lord, I just let go of it. I felt, so, I felt guilty. I felt like I'd let the staff team down. I'm really sorry, guys. I was the one that said we should gonna go and do this. And I know we busted a gut to get it ready and I'm like, well, I'm not here. Now, of course, the truth is it wasn't my fault and there's nothing I could do about it. But there was this sense of guilt that I carried. And I said, you know, I've got to surrender it. God's bigger than all that. Number two, what happens? So we experience his love. You see, when you make lemonade and we recognize how big God is, and therefore we then surrender to him, it is in that place of humility that he pours out his grace upon us. And it is in that place that we can experience his tender mercy and his love. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be healed instantly necessarily, although that does happen. It doesn't mean necessarily that all of a sudden the troubles, the experiences, the lemons disappear and God gives you loads of oranges. But it means that in spite of the lemons you feel in your heart a peace that comes from experiencing the tender love and mercy of God. But you see, that comes as we surrender to him and we allow him to minister. You see, lamenting is an invitation from God for us to enter into his presence. And as we lament, it is an invitation from us to God to minister to us. And you see, that's why lamenting is so important. Number four, we desire him more. You see, what happens, you see, is as we experience his love, and these are sequential. Listen, I don't want to be prescriptive. It doesn't have to necessarily be in this order. But certainly in my experience, I've seen a bit of a sequence. Is that when you experience his love, when you realize the humanness when you realize that the world around us is broken, and we prayed earlier, didn't we, for the earthquakes? You know, we live in a broken world. All of a sudden, the reality, as the psalmist said, is it Psalm 146, 147? I desire you more than life itself, O God. How could the psalmist get to that point? Because he had tasted the lemons of this world and he was silking the honey of God. And you see, when you lament properly, when you deal with the lemons and make lemonade in a biblical way, the fruit of it is that our heart starts pursuing God 
even more. Because you recognize that the only thing that is stable, the only thing that is good, the only thing that is loving is not a thing but a person in Jesus Christ. And you know, I often like reading Lamentations. I often like reading Revelation. And that scripture where God says that he'll wipe away every tear because, you know, we're here for but a, a moment and then we're gonna be in the presence of God for all eternity. And I gotta be honest with you, there are days when I pray, Lord, just come now. Maybe you're not like that, but I am. I've had it with this world, Lord. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I don't want to turn the news on anymore. I don't want to hear any more bad stories. Would you just come now, Lord God, because I'm flipping tired. And maybe you're in that place this morning. You're like, you know what? I'm tired of it. It's too hard. Now, I don't want to come across as being defeatist. That's not the point of this message. Because as we come out to later in the Lamentations, the objective of a lament and the end game is not where you started. But the point I'm trying to, I guess what I'm trying to do is rattle you a bit to get you to be honest with yourself. I'm trying to be self-disclosing so that you can deal with your stuff in a healthy way. Because I know we have been, for those who grew up in churches, there is that tendency, as I said before, to deal with life troubles in a way where we gloss it over. And if we gloss it over, then it will all be fine. And if you talk about the problems, then people think, well, you just haven't prayed hard enough. I want to break you out of that by saying it's okay to say life sucks. It's okay. It's okay to say, Lord, I desire you more than life itself because the psalmist did it. It's okay to say, you know what, God, you mean more to me than anything else. Now, what happens in that moment when you pursue God more than the world? All of a sudden, the world's problems don't seem as big anymore. It's not that you say, I don't want to live in this world. You just say, you know what? I can rise above this world. I'm not of this world. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm called to be a holy people. I'm more than victorious in Christ Jesus because as Paul says, I count all of this stuff, all these trials and troubles as nothing compared with the glory that's going to be revealed. You see, Paul was able to lament healthily because he recognized where he was going. And you see, as Christians, if we recognize where we are going and have in our view eternity and live in eternity, then all of a sudden life troubles, when we get those lemons, we can make lemonade. Are you hearing me? Good. You're still with me? Good stuff. I got one more on that one. I think I had five. Where are we up to? We desire him more. We bring people to Jesus and we bring Jesus to people. You see, there's nothing like when you lament you look at other people through eyes of empathy. You know, I've experienced mental, problem, um, mental health issues in the past. There have been many, 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 many years ago, I found it difficult to get out of bed. I was on medication. I couldn't get myself out of it. And when I speak to people, I think prior to that, there was an element of me, if I'm honest, which is like, just, just shake yourself out of it. Come on, it's fine. Mind over matter, you can sort this out. But I do, I do recognize that as God allowed me to go through that, I, I can pray and speak with people who have had mental health issues in a way in which I wouldn't have been able to had it not for me being having those lemons. And you see, in a place of lament, if you process it healthily, all of a sudden you can bring Jesus to people. I've been there. I've been there. I understand. You know, sometimes people just want you to say, I understand, and just listen without trying to solve their issues. All right. Oh, man, look at the time. 
How do we lament? We, um, where was I? Right, what happens when we lament? We recognize our humanness and God's godness. Number two, we surrender to him. Number three, we experience his love. Number four, we desire him more. And number five, we bring Jesus to others. That leads me on to the final part, which is this. How do we therefore lament? Mark, that sounds fantastic. I love that idea. I want to lament. Right, well, <laughs> I don't know what you'll be doing this afternoon. <laughs> Lamenting Sunday. Love it. Right, <clears throat> Psalm 13 actually gives us five ways in which we lament. And actually, this framework, if you look through the, I mean, Psalm 10, Psalm 7, there's so many Psalms that have this exact same framework for a biblical lament, okay? Are you ready? Number one, you have to get real. Boom. Just going to drop a truth bomb. You have to be honest and say it like it is. Now, I, am, I can't even lament most of the time because I'm not real with myself. Steph's like, that's true, my darling. Now, Steph is health, healthfully processes her emotions. She can get real a lot of the time. You get really, really real, don't you, darling? <laughs> Me, I don't get really, really real because I just don't want to deal with it, quite frankly. And I, you know, I just want to, want to push it down as deep as I can because, of course, it's safe there, isn't it? No. It will just come up some other time when you least expect it. Thank you. So number one is be honest, and you know, let's be honest with it. It's okay as Christians to say you're finding things difficult. It's okay. We won't think anything less of you. We won't think you're unchristian, okay? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, how real was Jesus? Please, would you take this cup? Yet, yeah, not my will, but yours. We need to get real. And if you can't get real, you'll never be able to lament because there's nothing to lament about. Number two, turn to God. What does it say, verse 1 in Psalm 13? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? We have to turn to him in those moments of lemons and make a choice to call out to God. Make a decision to talk to God about the pain. Listen, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? <clears throat> how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? Wow, can I say that to God? Yes. Did you know that God wants you to be real with him? The point here in a lament is that the person lamenting chooses to talk to God about what is happening, which leads me on to the second point is bring your complaint to God specifically. Verse two, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? There you go. Be specific. How long, O oh Lord, do I need to be lying here sick? How long, O oh Lord, do I need to be hearing about X, Y, and Z? How long, O oh Lord, do I need to suffer this? How long, O oh Lord, does my child need to go through this? And he goes on to say, the psalmist, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Listen, this isn't about shouting to God about how rubbish he is. This isn't about being angry for the sake of being angry, and that's it. A biblical lament is bringing our pain humbly and honestly, honestly to the Lord God Almighty. It is this amazing, I feel like sometimes this amazing tension, which is we're invited into the very throne room of the king of the universe, and yet he invites us on his, to his lap as a father. 
Isn't that amazing? And I think sometimes we can err on, on in error because we just come to him as such a mate that we chat to him as if he's not the King Almighty. Or we come to him as the King Almighty with so much reverence that we feel like we can't be honest with him because he's not our father. But we need to come to him honestly and humbly and say, Lord God, these are the problems I'm experiencing. You need to hear this, God. Number four, ask for help. So you've got real, you've turned to God, you've brought your complaint. Now you're turning your complaint to help and assistance. Verse three, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him. God wants to hear your specific requests for help. You know, one of my favorite Psalms that I often quote when I'm in this problem, in a problem, is come speedily to me, O Lord. The psalmist said that in Psalms 143, verse seven. Lord, would you come speedily and help me now? It is okay to be specific in your request to God. (coughs) You know, sorrow, if if we try and blow up the lemon, to use that imagery, it can trap us in the place of hopelessness. If we don't choose to lament biblically and instead have a pity party and shout and grumble at God and we never get to the place in humility asking for God after we've acknowledged who he is, then what the fruit of that will be is that lemon would give you hopelessness. But you see, biblical lamenting, as you go through that process of acknowledging God and asking for help, hope comes in that place, you see. And you see, when you lament, a fruit of lamenting is hope and trust in God. The fruit of blowing up a lemon is hopelessness and bitterness towards God. You get the difference. You see, we need to lament biblically in order to get us from that place of hopelessness into a place of hope. Because as it says in the scriptures, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Number five, and this is the end game. This is all, I'd like to invite the band up. This is always a destination of lamenting. Are you ready? Choose to trust and praise. If you read all the laments in the Bible, they end with something like this, verse five and six. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart, listen, shall rejoice in your salvation. At the end of a process of lament, you make a decision to praise God in spite of the circumstances. Now, if you try and hotwire it, and don't get real, if you try and hotwire it and not reach out to God, if you try and hotwire it and not bring your complaint to God, if you try and hotwire it and not trust in God and ask specifically and just go to praise all the time, what will happen over time is that you will just be mechanical in that and there'll be no heart connection with God. If you're in that place of life giving you lemons, We've got to praise God, but some of you need to go through the process of lament first. Do you understand? It's really important. Praising God isn't about putting a sticker or a plaster on it and ignoring the wound. Praising God, there is a spiritual dynamic happens when we seek God and put our trust in Him 
But for some of us, as we have been given many, many lemons, we need to go through that process of lamenting in order to be free to praise God. Like us to stand.